everyone. Welcome to the Sega Saturn Shiro podcast. The only podcast that you'll love us or hate us. So, uh, I think we wanted to skip on the intro for the most part. Dave, K, you guys are good skipping right now? Yeah, why don't you tell us about what's new in your life? Um, so basically, uh, just, uh, you know, just work, school. Got that fight stick, the, um, the Real Arcade uh, Vulux edition. The one that's actually based off of the Vulux arcade cabinets that they have in Japan where they play. I think it's the most recent one for Taito in that case, because I think they have the X2 and the Vulux is for the newer ones. Cool. So that's been pretty neat. Uh, kind of disappointed with the Hayabusa and the Koro buttons, but I'm going to be switching that out for full Sumitsu LS56 and the Sumitsu buttons. So I'll maybe I'll post a picture of that up once I get that all down. Uh, been playing some uh, some Saturn stuff in terms of that. I played some Nights in the Dreams with an arcade stick, which is kind of fun. Oh yeah. And that was kind of a blast. And uh, just uh, trying out our obscure game, which we'll go more into later on. But well, in terms the arcade stick is digital, right? So yeah, it's kind of like playing with the D-pad, but just a little easier on your hands, right? Yeah, a little bit easier on my fingers. So it's it's just a stick. So. I haven't used the 3D controller before, so I'm not sure what the if it would be better on that one. But I kind of like it on the stick. It's like like an arcade experience. Sure. But I'm a stickler like that. But yeah, how much did that stick set you back? Which one? The uh, the Vulix uh, model. Well, it usually retails for about three hundred dollars, but I got it for only about like a hundred. Nice. So the guy just wanted to get rid of it. I guess he had issues with its size, but. I'm I'm all for it because it means it doesn't move off my lap. It's kind of weird to get used to because it's so heavy. It's about 15 pounds, but mm-hmm. once you get used to it, it's it's great and I love it. I can't wait to see what it's like with the Simitsu stuff though. Sweet, cool. But yeah, that's about it. Well, we uh, starting something new, trying this out this cast. Not sure if it's gonna stick around, but uh, doing a news of the week. There's been just a lot of news, and so. Uh, the section is called Headlines for Saturn. Uh, first off, uh, the uh, a couple of the moderators uh, and, and owners of uh, the Saturn Junkyard have put together their own podcast. And they released their first episode uh, about a week, week and a half ago. Titancast. Titancast, is that what they're calling it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So the Titancast, go check those guys out. Uh, they did a, a really great show. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, it was really interesting. I can't wait to see what they uh, they do next. So uh, next up uh, on our Facebook groups, um, one of the main ones that we're uh, interacting with these days is uh, the Sega Collectors of America. And uh, our own Dave has been uh, added as a moderator over there. So congratulations to you, Dave. For, Congrats, uh, Mr. David. Yeah, the Saturn Collectors of America. Um, yeah, Chris approached me and said, uh, hey, you want to be a mod? And I was like, why not? I'm here. <laughs> I'm doing stuff. So yeah, it's fun and uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, just uh, posting stuff, getting people engaged. Um, I'm excited about this system. I still am, have been for you know over 20 years now, and no signs of stopping. So um, it's fun to see uh, new people latch onto the console and look look into collecting for it. And I'm just trying to you know help where I can. So it's fun. Congratulations and stepping up on your big boy pants. Next up, I'm going to have Dave talk about this. Uh, The Netlink Zone, uh, the gentleman that we interviewed uh, during our last podcast, uh, have put the website back online. Yeah, Cameron or Zayden, you know, he he got the the website back online. You can connect with your DreamPi, the settings 
are, I believe, on the Dreamcast Talk forums. Um, you know, it's a DNS redirect to the Dreampipe servers. Um, but they've, he's got the entire website reconstructed. Um, and not only that, he has the ability to add more content as, as time goes on. So it's super exciting. Um, you know, there's, there's all sorts of possibilities now. Um, and just to reiterate what we said in the last cast, you're going to need the DreamPy to do online browsing through your Netlink. So, so it's the DreamPy if you want to do internet browsing and, and get on with the Planet web browser. And it's the Netlink over VoIP adapter if you're wanting to do the direct dial multiplayer for now. Um, and hopefully soon they'll get uh, some kind of software going with the DreamPy. But in the meantime, we got those two options. And, uh, and so we've got Saturn online. Uh, so yeah, it's a very exciting. Very so nice. shouts to Zaiden and shouts to uh, Sega RPG fan. Shouts uh, out. For working on that. Yep. All right. So next up in the uh, exciting world of online auctions, a couple of uh, mock-up designs for some uh, Sega hardware that were based in the 32-bit era. We've actually seen videos of these posted right before those auctions came up. This all happened in the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, to talk about that, uh, Dave wrote up a really nice uh, little article in the Facebook groups, and I'd like for him to take it away. Yeah, so about a month ago, um, we saw these surface for the first time on like a Twitter feed, and then like on a, I think it was a Brazilian <laughs> video game blog site. So I think it's like one owner that that has both of them. But basically, what we're looking at here is a early mock-up of the Giga Drive, which was a the early plan for a 32-bit console based on the System 32 arcade board. Um, and the Giga Drive title was kind of a play on Mega Drive. And Hideki Sato designed it kind of to look a little bit like the CDX. At least that's kind of what it looks like. It's like an all-in-one form factor with the lid opening, kind of like a CD player. And then the cartridge slot in the back. And I think at that time, it would have been, the idea would have been for for it to play um, Genesis carts in addition to, you know, having RAM upgrades and stuff like that. But um, in the arcade scene at that time, technology was just so disruptive and it, everything was moving so fast and it, once the model one arcade board came out and they released Virtua fighter it literally took japan and the rest of the world by storm and that kind of caused them to take a step back and kind of rethink everything because you know just kind of um the world was changing gamers were changing and 3d was the new big thing so um, this older hardware wouldn't have been designed to handle any kind of 3d so they scrapped that design and what we see on eBay is really a non-working prototype. I don't even know if it has any guts inside, but it's basically like the they had a design spec, you know, based on the System 32, according to Sam Pettis in his book, um, Service Games, The Rise and Fall of Sega. And um, you're going to want to look into the Kamikaze console portion of that. But then shortly after that, they did, um, you know, work on the beginning of what we now know as the Sega Saturn. It was like this champagne looking console and the, the lines were really kind of space age. Um, there is a patent uh, that exists for this model. So they actually patented that design and you can find that patent on Google patents or you can find it on Sega Saturn archive on Facebook. Um, you can also find it on our Saturn Shiro podcast page. And so, so I had a question real quick. Oh yeah, sure. So for the so I'm looking at the 32-bit unit, the little one that looks like a little CD Walkman. Yep. 
Uh, that's the Giga Drive. That's the Giga Drive. Okay, so was that, so was that sort of the idea of they're they're essentially gonna stick stick the 32x board inside of that somehow? So this this predates 32x. Um, I see. Or, stick, sorry, the th- the uh, Sega 32 arcade board. Yeah, they were they were gonna have an architecture that was similar to the System 32 arcade board. Um, what the idea was that they would have a home console that would easily be able to accept System 32 ports because that's where they in 1992 to 93 that's where they thought home video gaming was going you know mm-hmm. that's what everybody wants is system 32 arcade but then you know once the model one came out and it blew everybody away they realized everybody at home is going to want this you know people did didn't even care anymore about system 32 it was like overnight everybody's um everybody's view shifted over to 3d and like the model one stuff and then of course model one only had like four games and then they got model two with virtual fighter 2 so technology was just going so quick you know and so that's one of the things with Sega is um, they just, you know, they so they they did kind of realize that people wanted 3D, but not to the extent that I think Sony really saw that vision. You know, they, they just said, we're just going to cut the bullshit and we're going to design a 3D console from the ground up. And then that's really what it's going to be. It's strong, strong point, you know. I got you. So, so could you go back into the, the champagne hardware? So at the time you had the Sega CD at that time um, would be time appropriate. The Sega CD did exist and the Sega CD was the first dual processor console because it had the Motorola inside the Genesis working in tandem with the Motorola inside the CD unit. So that's where Sega got its kind of affinity for working with parallel processing. Um, And that's what made them so confident to think that they could do it in the 32X and then do it in the Saturn. Um, and that's why the J- Japanese um, executives were just so stubborn and so, you know, insistent on going with the dual Hitachis versus Tom Kalinske's proposal to work with SGI. And so, of course, we know the story with that is that SGI went to Nintendo and the rest is history. So that design is gorgeous. Just for anyone who has not taken a chance to look at that video, we'll have some uh, links in our group um, and when this cast gets uh, put out. But it, it's really it, sleek. It is very pretty. I, I like actually, the little door for the for the controller ports, you know? There's like a little click door. Very pretty. Yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of like modern uh, inclinations of uh, Samus Aran's ship from Metroid. <laughs> very much. Flying through much space so. on a Saturn. Yeah. yeah. You know, the thing, the thing is the molding on it, especially if you look at the bottom, there's like these cutaways. Mm. And I just think, you know, for a mock-up, you know, they were able to just, it's probably like a, a solid piece of plastic and, and then it's painted on the bottom. But to actually do that in production would have been just so expensive. And I think that's what kind of happened is all at that same time as they were, um, you know, as they were addressing the internals and the cost of the internals and then the, you know, the unplanned need to upgrade and contend with Sony I think they realized they had to cut costs wherever they could, and I and I do think that that design would have been much more expensive to produce. It it does look great, you know, but uh, mm-hmm. I think I think the design that they ended up going with was a little safer, it was a little just more streamlined and easier to pump out of the factory. And sure. it still has remnants of that cutaway on the system itself. Oh sure, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can especially. see definitely where the design you know came from and where it went to. Mm-hmm. It reminds me a lot of uh, looking at like uh, 
the mock-ups for like the 2010 Italian Mustang um, versus what they actually ended up getting. But I mean, if you guys are if you guys are seeing it and thinking that this is you know fake or that somebody's just like pumping out these you know fraudulent consoles to get you know internet fame, that is not the case. These these are definitely uh, design mock-ups. I guess in the same way that cars are designed by you know sculpting with clay. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they have. It's not like the. It's not like the Nintendo PlayStation where it actually is a is a working prototype. Um, although Kay did mention how cool it would be to just take the guts of a, you know a, an existing Saturn and stick it inside one of those. Yeah. Inside that case, that would be rad. But uh, but yeah, yeah I think you know they, it really is. You know, some people are balking at the five thousand dollar price tag and. Uh, it's a philosophical question whether it's worth it or not, but really, it's it's a piece of Sega's history. So nobody else has it, you know. Yep. Only one person in the world is gonna is gonna have that, and it should be under glass, you know. And who knows, maybe in a in a video game museum. Dude, uh, I, I my, wish I could afford it. I seriously would snatch that up in a heartbeat. My question is, how the hell did they get these things in the first place? I mean, shouldn't these be under lock and key with Sega or in some sort of uh, Sega headquarters? The PlayStation or the Nintendo PlayStation get out there? Well, that's that's a well, little bit that, different. Yeah, that was exact who had it in their basement or their. But it the is, same. It's the same thing, though, right? I mean, these prototypes, uh, one-offs, um, like the orange Xbox, you know, like that should never have gotten loose to the public. The sure. uh, there the are Nintendo- like non, you know, there's NDAs that are signed that probably expire, and then people yeah. just don't care after two decades and. Like yeah, take it, it take it. Sale or something, yeah. I mean, especially if they're like corporate types, they. They have no interest in video games. They're just like, you know, yeah, doing it well, for the money. Moving us forward a little bit. We got two more pieces of news uh, before we get to our obscure game. Uh, also hitting eBay um, this past week or so, the Japanese port or version of Scorcher went on sale. Mm-hmm. Now, what makes this uh, unique and interesting, Scorcher is a pretty common game in English, you know, Western speaking territories. Um, but it was set up and uh, prepared to be released out in uh, Japan. It had its manual-ready back art, uh, the OBI um, spine card, and it just seems to have vanished. Uh, this has shown up on eBay a couple of times. I think the last time I was told it came up at about $400 or so. Don't know what it was, you know, when that was. Yeah. Um, but it has not been dumped, to my knowledge, um, in official crazy. circles. I can't and believe that. The person that I believe owns the disc is actually a, a dumper for redump. And that's how I got wind of it before it hit eBay. But uh, it's there. Um, he's fishing for good offers. Uh, I don't know what those offers are going to be like, but he's got an asking price of about 5000 on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a bad game either. You know, I mean, it, it's common and... It's not great, but and it's definitely a Western game if you look at the color palette and stuff like that. But Scavenger, you know, they were doing some interesting things too. Um, I've I've popped it in a few times and come to grips with those controls, and I think it I think it's interesting. I don't know that it, Scorcher Scavenger is the company that oh. uh, that developed it, and and they had a couple other really interesting, uh, really really graphically, you know, pushing the Saturn's hardware. Uh, games in mind that were pictured in like the old Saturn magazines and in the next gen magazines that just never came to fruition. But um, it was an interesting Western developer, and I don't know that it would have gone over too well in Japan. Uh, so it's probably best that it wasn't released. But 
um, yeah, no, it's, it's, that's amazing that it hasn't been dumped when you consider some of the other things out there that have. Yeah. Speaking of which, um, my buddy Don Russell has a bunch of his prototypes up on eBay. Um, they mm-hmm. you know, have hit since probably late September. And I was uh, you know, fortunate enough um, and to be trusted with uh, his uh, a lot of his prototypes. Um, one buyer has uh, apparently worked out a deal uh, with Don to put the game Crime Patrol on Layaway. Uh, it is through eBay. Uh, not all the details are known, um, but uh, the person who did this owns the website sega-saturn.net and has released several um, unreleased games in the past. Now, there's a lot of uh, controversy going on. I'm directly involved with this. Um, you can see a lot of it on the Assembler forums if you really want to you know, go through that drama. But the uh, ending point is this. The image um, that that person has on his website right now, you can go to his website right this minute and download the image. That image was altered by me before he got it um, just to see how trustworthy he was going to be with my friend's uh, property. Um, As a result, since it's still up and as long as it remains up, I will be providing an unaltered image um, for people to download starting, I believe, next week. We'll post links to that when it gets uh, released uh, through our podcast uh, Facebook page and our Twitter and such. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's the end of our news. And that brings us to our obscure game of the cast, which would be Rabbit, which is my choice. So why and did you choose Rabbit for? Why did I choose Rabbit? Uh, well, I had a few games to, to pick from, and this was probably the most affordable at 50 bucks but what do you expect if it's obscure and it's on the saturn then that means it probably didn't get many prints which means it's probably going to be a little bit more expensive of a game but at least you know at 50 bucks you know you can either burn it and if you like it you can give it a shot but um what kind of game is it this is a fighting game and it's a fighting game by a by an osaka based developer called aorn um, which isn't exactly easy to pronounce in Japanese or English. Um, yeah, but it's A-O-R-N. And um, so this is this is a fighting game that just, it has like this really vibrant color palette. It's got really sharp sprite work. The intro is kind of cheesy, um, but the whole idea of this game is that uh, each character has a spirit animal and the spirit animal can kind of help back them up and, and do, you know, collaborative combos during the game and um you know you have a power meter that builds up and then you can unleash your spirit animal um for extra for extra damage it's um it's a really interesting fighting game and it reminds me a lot i was telling Kay and patrick it reminds me a lot of far east of eden kabuki clash on the neo geo so if you guys have that's also kind of another obscure title but uh, um, another great fighting game and they just have the same kind of flavor i was kind of looking into this and I can't, this is pure speculation, but I'm just going to put this out there and maybe you guys can get online and do some digging. But the developer for this game, Rabbit, on the Saturn is Aorn, which was a developer put together by EA, Electronic Arts, in March of 1995 so that they could release this game. Um, well, so that they could do like a couple of arcade conversions. And then in April 
of 95. So you have March of 95, Aorn was incorporated. And then in April of 95, another Osaka developer came into existence, and that's Rakujin. What we know now is Rakujin, but it, back then it was like Rakudim or something. And they did Far East of Eden Kabuki Clash. So <laughs> it's really interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I just know that they look very visually similar. And again, this is pure speculation, but it was just something that I was kind of looking at. Another interesting thing about the game is that it's an EA game that was published in Japan only. So Electronic Arts actually published some games in Japan. Which is that interesting. is really, really yeah. interesting. I'm looking at the manual. I mean, they even advertise in games like uh, you got NHL 97, PGA Tour 97, and some other game I can't make out. Yeah, so there was, uh, according to GDRI, uh, which is a Game Developer Research Institute, they list this Aorn as only having developed uh, an arcade game called Flame Gunner. And then they did Rabbit which was also published in the arcades by EA. So EA also published arcade games. Interesting. 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 And then Rabbit 2, there's a question mark. So I don't know. There's not any more information about that. But then there's a, a PlayStation game, Art and Senna. And then, uh, and then the Saturn game. But then, yeah, funny enough, like one month later, also Osaka-based. And then, and then you got this thing about they changed their name to Rakujin in the year 2000 because they decided that it was more easy to pronounce in Japanese. But um, all these things are kind of, you know, coincidental, make me think that maybe it's the same developer. Let's uh, let's and actually on, go into the game, if that's all right. Yeah, um, I mean, what else do you guys want to know? I mean, here's the thing. It's an obscure game that isn't complete garbage. Like, it's actually a pretty fun fighting game. It's very flamboyant. It's very kind of like, it's one of those wild fighting games that uh, Kay was kind of talking about where it's not really straightforward. Um, yeah, I really like it because it, it reminds me of a uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure on the Dreamcast a bit. You but agree? Not okay. quite. Not quite, but it's similar in the. You're talking about like the stands, right? Uh, a little bit because it, it works a similar way where you can have a button to bring out the stands or spirit mm-hmm. animals, whatever the hell they're called in the game, mm-hmm. and you can have them attack like loosely. Like I was using the the Kitsune one, and it, all yes. it did was like shoot its tail. But exactly. I did. I did notice that if you use the t- her special, or the person special, you wouldn't be able to bring the thing out again. Right. I don't know if yeah, you, I was, you ran to that, or maybe that was just me. I didn't play with that character, but I think I know what you're talking about. I, I played with Hoen or Hoen. He's he's the big guy with the wolf, and um, he's got like a mask on. Um, just really, really like over the top combos. And I noticed like the face animation and stuff when he gets hit or like when he does damage to an opponent, it's just like really, it's over the top. And um, I don't know if you guys know, did you notice Patrick any kind of like scaling problems? What do you or, mean scaling? Like, well, there is some lag in it. No, but like at some points, the, the sprite work would be like perfectly crisp and look like it was um, the correct resolution. But then sometimes the sprites would like be scaled strangely. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't notice that per se. I just noticed that it lagged a bit, and the intro graphics kind of like shite. <laughs> they kind of do, yeah. So overall, we've got uh, another kind of wacky, offbeat fighting game. Uh, pretty decently priced, still. Uh, decent gameplay. Maybe a, a little bit off on the intro graphics and possibly some scaling issues. Overall, you guys, uh, what would you give this game if you had to give it a rating out of 10? I give it a 7. It's a really decent fighting game, and 
I think it's a, one of those weird ones like Groovon Fight that's good to bring with your friends and just mess around with. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Like a 75%. It's reminiscent of like Galaxy Fight. It's reminiscent of um, that other one, Astro Superstars. It's wacky. It's, it's definitely offbeat. And with a name like Rabbit, I can imagine people would just pass that up, you know, if they were looking on a list of games because it just doesn't strike you. I think Rabbit is one character. It's like the spirit animal of the first character, but you hardly see that character if you don't play as him. Um, but anyway, it's just, yeah, it's offbeat and it's, it would be fun to just pop in and show people that are like into the Saturn, but maybe they have never seen it, you know, for for 50 bucks. So you might even be able to get it for like 40 to 45 if you're, if you're patient. Yeah, that sounds cool. Alright guys, so uh, let's go into our main topic now, which is going to be love and hate. So games that uh, have a love or hate relationship where they're either really good and you love it, or they're really bad and you don't like them, and there's no in-between on them. Yeah, so they're very polarizing games. Exactly, so uh, let's uh, let's go jump in head first and uh, go so into the start. People's Choice poll. So these are the poll, people, the poll that we put on, uh, was it the Sega Collectors of America group? Yeah. So uh, I put up a poll, uh, you know, about a week, week and a half ago, just wanted to see. We we have our own opinions about games that we might love, but you know, other members of our cast have wrong opinions about how they're bad. Uh, just looking at Mr. Bones and Pat. Bum, bum. Sorry, sorry, the game looks like shit. <laughs> but uh, we wanted to see what other people's opinions were, um, and. We had uh, Clockwork Knight come in the entire series uh, as having 14 votes. Now, these votes, wow. didn't, they, didn't, they don't necessarily mean it's uh, you know only hate or only love. These votes are just, these people mentioned that this is a game that they feel very strongly about one way or the other. About it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Burning Rangers came in with nine votes in second place. Mr. Bones had six votes. I saw Patrick there, uh, you know, posting his... His opinion on it. Uh, House of the Dead hit five. Sonic R hit five. Albert Odyssey. I've been hearing a lot about this one. Um, and so it's definitely become a polarizing game in the last few years at least. Four votes there. Fighters Megamix uh, came in with three. Dragon's Force came in with three. Radiant Silver Gun came in with three. And no idea how that made it on there. Oh, I put it there. That's oh. why. <laughs> um, but uh, the fact that other people voted on it is what's interesting. Um, the one that I found the most interesting, we had a lot of other options that were there, you know, various states of two and one vote, but someone actually put in uh, Super Kyrian, and this is a really rare uh, demo disc. It's not even like a full game, and it's, it probably would run someone anywhere from 20 to $50. You know, rarity does not equal, you know, uh, a high price. But the fact that someone even knew about that game and then decided to put it in a love-hate section of uh, a poll was they're just kind of interesting smart <laughs> yeah so um let's start off with uh one that was on all of our own lists um i think all of us put clockwork night as being Love. something that would be very polarizing i hate no i'm gonna go no. With hate on that one round one fight fight okay you go first david why do you love this game so much even though it looks like shit Okay, well, first of all, you gotta, it looks like shit based on, you know, yeah, maybe based on, you know, if you're playing PS4 games all day, I mean. Well, I mean, but, I mean, it just hasn't, I mean, even back then, people were saying how it doesn't look the greatest. 
Yeah, you know, here's what I can say about Clockwork Knight. Um, it, it is brimming with charm. It is brimming with Sega style. Um, and it's, I know that's kind of an intangible thing, but if you're a big Sega fan like me, you know, it's just they have kind of like a different way of approaching game design and character design. And it's just some of the stuff comes from left field, but that's the thing that I like so much about Sega. And, you know, Clockwork Knight, it, it is, you know, again, with the Saturn, they were like trying all this, these new things and like introducing you to so many new characters like Panzer Dragoon, Clockwork Knight, Bug, uh, you know, Knights. It, it, rather than like falling back on like their known brands, you know, and so it was a new thing for sure and not necessarily what people were maybe wanting, but for one, it had great control. Like the, the game just has, it has a great feel. Like you pick up that, that d-pad and it just feels right the the throwing mechanic the um just all the little things like the the train that you can ride and the and the the donkey or the horse or whatever that is and um just the picking up gears and stuff it's just a solid platformer it really is i think i think that it's like beautiful game design the only thing i can really say negative about it is that it doesn't have a save feature if i remember correct I don't remember if you can save in it or not. Um, I don't remember either. It's been yeah, a long time. Since. I don't. I don't remember. I feel stupid that I don't know the answer to that off the bat. But I will say, you know, they kind of had to rush out the first portion of it when they were planning for it to be an entire game. So you really, when you bought Clockwork Night One, you were really just getting half the game, and then when you bought Clockwork Night Two, you were getting the second half and. You know, it was a little bit more polished because they had some extra time to like work out some things. But Sega Retro, all, Sega Retro does confirm that if you uh, you are unable to save your progress in that game, so if you turn off the Saturn, you start from the beginning. Right. Oh, so it's pretty punishing. Same thing with uh, Panzer Dragoon. You know, it was from this. It was from Sega. You know, and it, they're an arcade developer. They're really focused on you know sitting down in gameplay sessions. You know, like really just beating yeah. the game in one sitting. And I know that's tough um, nowadays. I mean, it was tough at the time too, but I think we we forgave these things a little more back then. I definitely agree in some of those aspects, but the one thing that really kills it for me is just that I think the game just aged. It looks bad back then. It hasn't aged well. The, 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 attack, the enemy attacking just isn't satisfying. It's him twirling in a circle. I just don't really, really, sure. really felt it. it felt like there wasn't like a satisfying destroy enemies like you hit them mm. it has that dkc style the 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 pre-rendered stuff which i just don't like and i always hated in donkey Kong country but that's another hatred cast i think it was a little better though i'm i'm also not a huge fan of donkey Kong country but but i don't know there's just something charming about it uses pre-rendered and, and then it also uses po polygonal graphics that fall at you like into the foreground um, it is, it's a weird looking game. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, I, I know why people hate it. I think they think that it's a little cheesy. It's too over the top. Maybe they don't like the music. It's like, they think it's schmaltzy. It's like, for all of those things, those are the reasons that I like it because I feel like it's just Quirky. so unique. It's, you know, you just don't, you just don't get games like that anymore. And, Probably for um, the best. <laughs> depend, you know, I mean, that's, that's fair enough uh, everybody has their tastes you know and and um you know and i don't want to go too long on this game but um you know i just i just think clockwork night is it epitomizes 
what the Saturn was. It epitomizes Sega and it epitomizes what the Saturn was, which was really just like this oddball quirky. experiment, quirky, uh, <laughs> daring, and, and, and like careless, like super reckless. They would put games out that would like, I'm sure in a boardroom just would make no sense, you know? Yeah, on- I really see your point on it though. And I, I guess really just in closing on it, I guess this really is a victim of circumstance. It was the first Sega game. It was getting pushed out due to the uh, the surprise announcement of it. And just one thing after another that left it unfinished. And maybe it could have been better. Maybe it mm-hmm. was just the same, as just as worse. Pat, yeah. everything that you've said um, seems to deal with um, visual aesthetics. Like, if you closed your eyes to the aesthetics, or if we had updated graphic files for that thing and it looked differently. Mm-hmm would the gameplay be satisfying to you i don't i don't really think so i just i'm not really a big fan of that style of platformer but like i said this is all opinion and i just don't really like the the mechanics of how enemies are taken down how the bosses are battled and just the i think it's a popular opinion too i mean you this is a game that is very maligned so i don't feel like it's universally loved at all and it certainly wasn't universally loved back in the day you know um, a lot of the critic magazines, you know, were hard on it. Um, uh, by the way, I think it's worth mentioning, it did come out before Toy Story, the movie. Um, it actually came out and was in development before Toy Story. So a lot of people think it was like copying them, but it wasn't. Um, just a coincidence. So um, let's uh, look at our next polarizing game on our list, Burning yeah. Rangers. I'm no. surprised this was on here, to Me be honest. Too. So... I threw this out there because I had a problem with it. This is okay. one of my um, picks that I threw into the poll in the beginning. And um, it's not so much the gameplay. It it feels like they were, for me, um, that this uh, was rushed. It was a lot of um, graphical breakage. And it, it just didn't seem like... It seemed like if they had just spent another three months or so um, on optimizing it, that it would have been a completely solid game. And some of the commentary that was in the thread also mentioned that it felt like it was more of a beta uh, of something. So I wanted to get your guys' opinion on this, you know, fight for it. All right, so uh, is there if I can, if I start off, Dave? Yeah, go ahead. So basically, uh, I kind of feel the same way. I think it was in that time where it's like Sega knew the Saturn was pretty much Dunzo and Sonic Team. They just were rushing Sonic Team to finish that game up because they were going to throw them right on Sonic Adventure after that point. It's like, okay, we got to finish this up, wrap it up, wrap it up. And just constantly telling them to do that. I mean, just trying to get this game out there so that way they can put the nail into the Saturn and start fresh on the Dreamcast. So um, I'm not really 100% sure which ca- if uh, Burning Rangers came after Sonic Jam. I'm not sure if this came after or before Sonic Jam. Mm-hmm. But I, I do believe that that's probably one of the reasons why it really... Well, Sonic Jam was... It was Sonic Team, but it was like kind of like one of their one of their B departments. It was kind of like the away team. Yeah, so I, I just think it, like I said on the last one, is a victim of circumstance. In my opinion, I really like it. I think the game gameplay concepts there. I really enjoy the music on it. The 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 nice MIDI soundtrack. It's got that got that Sonic Team feel, and definitely with the aesthetics of the characters, just like Fantasy Star. I don't know if you guys noticed that there. It gave a Fantasy Star stuff. Oh yeah, a Fantasy Star vibe. Absolutely, I feel like PSO kind of felt very reminiscent of Burning Rangers. Um, and I'm not surprised at all because I think they recycled some resources and 
some ideas that, that maybe they didn't put into Burning Rangers. I'm actually going to completely disagree with Kay. Uh, well, I love it. Thing. Oh, yeah, no, I, I love it. But I'm but I'm going to speak to what Kay said about like the design and the development and stuff like that. Um, so if you go and you listen to Kamikaze Console by Sam Pettis, Mm-hmm. you will get some interview excerpts from Yuji Naka talking about how he held back with Knights and how he learned a lot of things from Knights, but that he felt that it wasn't his complete vision, that he played it safe and that there were a lot of elements that he wanted to include in Knights that he, that he held back for his next game. And the next game, they would work for a very long time trying to iron out and and get it going and then the other little piece of if you guys are interested there is a youtuber called low score boy and he put out an amazing video that really breaks down what the saturn is doing graphically technically with burning rangers and the truth is the reason why it looks broken almost is because it's doing shit that it shouldn't even be doing like the way that they wrote the information to the frame buffer was completely ass backwards like they would they would use tricks to be able to use like multiple transparencies at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, there, it is. It, I think it's just a technical marvel, to be honest with you. And I know that some people say that it looks like garbage in motion, and um, or it looks like you know the Saturn just threw up on the screen. Yeah, and I get and I get that, and I like and I love it despite that. Um, I do realize that when you turn on the Saturn with Burning Rangers in it, your Saturn's like, it's really being made to work overtime, you know? Sure. Um, and and my Saturn even heats up a little bit uh, more than it normally does when I'm running Burning Rangers. So, uh, I mean, I don't think it was a matter of time, really. I, th- I think they had plenty of time to work on it. I think that they were doing some really unorthodox stuff with the hardware well, to try to squeeze every last drop. Well, I mean, it was- Which it's is just understandable. Seemed- I, I, well, I was looking at the release dates, and I mean, Burning Rangers released eight months eight months before Sonic Adventure was one out. So, I yeah, guarantee I mean, was, you, I guarantee you that both Sonic Adventure and Burning Rangers were de- being developed at the exact same time, especially oh, yeah. with the Dreamcast stuff. Well, so, Burning Rangers was being developed at the same time as Knights too, because it was based on the engine. So it was like they were working it all on. It was kind of like one bled right into the other. I suppose the, so. The point, though, is that it looks like it needed more development time so yeah, from a that. from a layman's perspective someone who's not you know geeking out on the tech and looking sure. at this as a i'm biased uh, it's true right yeah. and it, because you have that extra insight because you've done that additional you know uh work in research i'm able to appreciate it, that side you of can it. appreciate that but someone sure. who just picks this game up and is looking at a 150 plus price tag on it puts it mm-hmm. in their system and goes what the f 200 Two two twenty five or two fifty. It's ridiculous. Hard. Yeah, and 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 you're right. You're right. Uh, if you're just judging this on a, you're saying, okay, well, over here I've got Vagrant Story, or I've got Metal Gear Solid, yep. and over here I've got Burning Rangers. You know, something's not right. You're, yeah. yeah so it's. True. I love the game. I need to make sure that this is put out. I actually love what they were doing, and I, I like how they use audio cues to be able to let you know where to go. Things about this game were interesting to me. Mm-hmm. But for for what I've heard from other people, and it was proven as being like number two in our, our list, mm-hmm. right, this is a game that's polarizing. Some people who love it and can appreciate it tout its uh, you know it, its greatness. 
then people pick it up based on that and they go what the f absolutely so let's look at our next one um mr bones oh so we went over this game a little bit during the halloween special a few weeks back and this is one of my personal favorites even though i've never um, actually gone past the first disc um I love quirky games, so I, that Clockwork Knight for me was one of those that I, I liked. Um, not gotten very far, but you know, it's quirky and it's different. I don't like all quirky games, but no. uh, Mr. Bones has kind of that dark feel to me, um, a little bit on the gothy side, you know, for being cartoony and cheesy. Um, but yeah, that, it appealed to me. And there's nothing else like it, which we kind of talked about um, with Knights as well. There was nothing else like Knights. A lot of the games on the Saturn, there's nothing else like it. Or it's compared to things that are just have similar elements. Mr. Bones, for the first time, I think, ever, I met someone who didn't like it. And I'd like you to start off, Pat. All right. Well, uh, I guess basically I have a really... This is more opinion-based, but... I really don't like a lot of the early 3D games, especially stuff like, you know, uh, Clockwork Knight, and especially Mr. Bones. I just think it has a uh, really an ugly aesthetic on it, and it doesn't really know what style it wants to go with. I mean, you have the things like the real-life cutscenes, where it's like uh, him talking to a real-life character, playing a guitar as a 3D model, uh, jumping, around, jumping around in a 3D world using some sort of different-looking model. And I just really didn't like the feel of the gameplay. I just think the platformer is really clunky. I didn't play as much as, as, as I like my platformers I usually play. And I guess I'm coming from a bias from a 2D perspective where it's like, uh, if you want to do 2D platformers, just do a 2D platformer. Don't go 3D, you know? Sure. So you're saying it's graphically inconsistent. A bit graphically inconsistent. The gameplay, I'm not, not the huge, the biggest fan of. Yeah, I hear you. So, is there a Saturn platformer? Just I'm taking it away from Mr. Bones for a moment, but is there a Saturn platformer that you actually enjoyed? Um, I really enjoyed a. Uh, I really enjoyed Twinkle Star Sprite too. That was really fun. Um, does Elevator Action count as a platformer? No. Elevator Action Returns. I mean, you know, there are platforms. It's like an arcade action game. I, I, yeah. I, well, I won't count that then. If it's, I guess uh, I would. I would count it as like a run and gun. Yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think. There's not really a lot of platformers on the Saturn to begin with, though. Well, I mean, we've we've talked about a couple of them, like uh, Gex and um, Rayman. Clockwork Knight. Clockwork Knight. Oh, Rayman's good. Rayman's good. I like Rayman. You like Rayman? Okay. But that's so, multi-platform, so I don't really know if mm-hmm. I'd count that. So, going back to, to Mr. Bones, um, I, I can see the, the graphic uh, inconsistency. Um, just the age now, of it. When we last left it, it sounded like you were interested in taking it out for another spin and giving it another chance. Did you ever actually get a chance to? I didn't get a huge amount of time. I played a little bit of it, and when I played, I didn't really feel it. I really think I need to get a full play of the game just to be able to give my 100% opinion. So I don't want to say that this is a definite, but what I play and what I understand, I don't like it. But, you know, that might change. Maybe if I play it a while and I get it. But I don't know. Just, just to what, reiterate what we talked about in the Halloween cast is it's actually not just a platform game. It's multi-genre. So if you're able to get past that first level, you know, you're going to be opened up to like all these different genres. It's like a mashup game. So it's really interesting, you know. Maybe you should just game shark it, you know, just to get over that one level and kind of, you know, see what the rest of the game is like. 
That'll require me to flash my action replay that's already flashed. Mod chip. <laughs> dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. It, it's okay though. You know, I mean, I, I get it too. I, I, I don't think this is one of those hills that I would die on. Um, I like the game a lot like Kay does and I do admit to liking quirky games and I'm, I'm really biased when it comes to Sega stuff and this game is just dripping Sega. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's one of those points where I kind of have to step back and look at it a little bit more objectively like, you know, any other Joe gamer would come along and, and look at it critically, you know, and um, I do think that it has flaws, you know. And I do think that um, I, I, I kind of agree with the things that you're saying about graphic inconsistency. I know you didn't like the U.S. box art. The Japanese box art was even weirder. But, <laughs> but you know, I, you know you, and I understand that uh, control-wise, it might feel a little clunkier. I mean, you de- that kind of adds to the suspense for me because honestly, it's, it's almost like one of those dreams where, you know, you're trying to get away from zombies, but there's some, you know, ball and chain Hold tied to your foot and you're, you're kind of like, you know, because you kind of get that sense that you're just barely escaping them, you know, and you're jumping over the graves, but then your foot gets caught on the gravestone, you know. Um, it, it, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those hardcore kind of like punishing games where you just feel like that's, it's, it's a little unfair, but uh, it doesn't hold your hand, that's for sure. Yeah, and you know, maybe I'll give it a sh- try again, and I'll really like it. But you know, from what I played of it, I mean, <laughs> not looking like it. Are there codes, K, on this game, or can you like without without uh, without a game shark? Are there like, like any kind of codes? Code? Yeah, stage select or something like that. Um, you know, I don't know offhand. I'll tank through it. We have the the uh, interwebs for right. Yeah, yeah, I'll look online. and I can tank through it if that if that's what I have to do. I think it's worth, uh, for those listening, I think it's a game that's worth playing and checking out. But I do think that like half, maybe more than half of people are going to take, uh, are going to agree with Patrick. I do think it's, it's it is definitely a love-hate game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just seems like it's incredibly polarizing. You either love it or you hate it. So there is a level select code at the start screen. Cool. Oh, cool. There you yeah. go. So go ahead and give that a shot again if you uh, can get past it. I'm just curious because I, I've noticed like a, a recurring theme uh, in like the graphic presentation. Uh, yeah. And I've always maintained that like graphics don't matter anywhere near as much as gameplay. Um, now the three, so- I agree at some part, at some part, but all of those early 3D games I still struggle with. Even back then I struggled with. I didn't like it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, um, I grew up with the 32-bit stuff, so I kind of have yeah. a, like I, I like the look of of 32-bit stuff. Yeah, and it's only it's really only that generation, the first gen, PS1, Saturn, N64. Like mm-hmm. when they got the PS2, it, it, like the PS2, GameCube, uh, Xbox, it was it was fine. Like that was I the era of it. muddy textures. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan of muddy. I'm a fan of that stuff. I can handle like really bad PS2 stuff, or really yeah. bad game, and I can look past that, but. The, the that era with the PS1, well, actually a lot of the PS1 has some charm to it, but this, at least some of the stuff the Saturn, I don't think so. Sure. So um, let's go ahead and go on to our next game, Sonic R. Can you feel love, the sunshine, Kay? <laughs> can I, can I feel the sunshine? Yeah, does it brighten up your day? This is a game that I feel guilty about loving, but I do. It, you know, it's. I think I actually hated it back in the day like I, I borrowed it I borrowed the disc from a friend at, in high school and he's just like 
Go for it, man. <laughs> Tell me what you think. Can I go half and half for love and hate on this? Because I have things I love sure about. Sure, I so think I, that's what most people do. You know, because I love I love the soundtrack to it. The song cover soundtrack is probably one of my favorite. I love cheesy pop music. Like I love that. Like the Metropolis Street Racer soundtrack, epic. Oh yeah. All that cheese factor. Even the Sonic Adventure soundtrack is probably one of my favorites. So you like Richard Jacques then, because he did Metropolis Street Racer. Yeah, I love yeah, that. He, the singer. Yeah, all that stuff. Did, All the synth, yeah. synthy pop stuff, but yeah, I, lo I love it. I, I hate the gameplay. I can't mm. play it. I bump into everything. I, I suck at racers in general, so mm. having Sonic R makes it just that much worse. Mm -hmm. I so. think people kind of miss the point. Well, and that's because they uh, if you didn't read the manual, which a lot of us don't, and we just kind of jump right in, we get into Sonic R thinking that it's just any other racing game, you know? And um, it's really not. It, they had this idea that, you know, the whole idea in the game would be to take shortcuts and, like, take as many shortcuts as you can and, like, explore the level while you're racing, which is kind of ridiculous because anybody who approaches a racing game would think, okay, well, my primary goal is just to win. Um, but you can still win by, you know, scoring points, you know, finding unlockables and doing stuff like that. And really, the, you, you do end up needing those shoulder buttons in order to, like, stay on the track. Um, but also, you're not really intended to stay on the track. You're actually intended to figure out how to pull off these shortcuts. I think it's kind of like Nights, where if Nights is completely confusing to you and you go on YouTube and you watch it like a Let's Play and you see that they just, like they just loop over and over and over again to, to rack up the multiplier and you realize okay that's what i'm supposed to be doing and then you kind of like learn how to play knights it, it kind of clicks if you watch a let's play of sonic r and see like what you're supposed to do it's kind of oddball and then you're like what the hell was sega thinking you know designing this game so in that i think it's like it, i can't forgive it it's that's still kind of like ridiculous to expect anybody to just jump into the game and know that they're supposed to do that you know just sega in general they were putting out these games where it was like not going to hold your hand and it wasn't going to tell you what to do and it just expected you to kind of figure it out i'm just more never... shocked of anything how expensive that game is now how expensive is it I think the last time I checked it, it was like in the, the 80s or something crazy. So that's just because it's a Sonic game, I guess. You know, or On maybe Saturn. Yeah, I don't know. That's that is a lot for a game that is so universally panned. You know. Yeah, I'm um, looking at 60 right now. 60, 50. So. Wow. Well, you know, again, it's a biased one for me. I I love that soundtrack. R Richard Jakes, he did, I don't know if it's Jacques or Jakes, but anyway, he did those uh, soundtracks to that one and uh, Sega Touring Car, and he did uh, Shinobi Legions, and uh, he's just, just awesome. And TJ, but seriously, like, don't, don't start up the game and then pick Sonic, I, I think, is what most people say. Um, Sonic is incredibly hard, one everybody wants to naturally gravitate towards or i think he's just the default choice at first so you might be um but if you go with like knuckles or if you go with the girl in the car what's her name amy amy there you go yeah if you go if you go with one of those it's probably a little easier to come to grips with but again you're going to be just like scorcher we talked about earlier one of those things where you're just going to keep flying off the track if you don't use the shoulder buttons because it's a combination of turning with the d-pad and using the shoulder buttons to kind of like grip the track 
it's weird and then if you do jumps like um if you hit the turbo pads and like you do a jump you can actually jump completely over the water and do like a shortcut on the other side and just lap everybody you know so there's that sounds like mario kartish almost a little bit just not refined like that you know see mario kart is like that's game design at its best you know um or at least quite a few of the mario karts they you know that's what nintendo did best and um sega had all these like really really great ideas but they didn't always have the team to execute on it and Mm -hmm. i feel like their am teams were awesome and you know they had uh, uh team andromeda you know they had a few teams and then you know they had to farm stuff out to like traveler's tales and sometimes it worked sometimes it didn't you know well that's a good place for us to yeah to move on so albert odyssey this is uh, another one that i've heard a lot of uh controversy about you know some saying that it was uh amazing you know another working designs uh gem and others saying that it was, you know, anything from boring to bland, uh, generic. So mm-hmm. this is one I have not played. Um, I do know that there are two versions of it, uh, not only in disc art but also in file format. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actually revised the game code and updated the manual for the later revisions. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of this one? Um, the thing about it is that I don't think it's an awful game. I just really think out of everything that Working Design's going to put their resource and time into, they put all that together made this really weird uh, Final Fantasy, Fantasy Star, and Shining Force imitation. And it really just, I don't know, it just, I mean, it wasn't awful. It just seemed really generic, and I think it was a really poor choice, on, in my opinion, Working Design's choice to localize that out of all the things that they had on the Saturn and that they could have brought over. Especially with all those these shoot 'em ups and all the other games that they never really touched. Yeah, you know, I think Albert Odyssey kind of has the the same kind of flavor. It kind of feels reminiscent of like Popful Mail a little bit style wise. It's just nowhere near as good as Popful Mail. You know, um, it has kind of like that witty banter and the the dialogue, which I think I might just be coming from the the working designs, Vic Ireland side of things, you know, so I don't actually, I can't speak to what the dialogue was like in the Japanese version, but I know that the, the, the way that working designs ported it over, it feels a lot like Popful Mail to me, but just not nearly anywhere near as good. And I know that the criticisms for this game, there's three main criticisms. Um, the save points are few and far in between and you have to do a lot of backtracking to find a save point and then you have to go back out and you know try to advance you know and work from wherever you were at um there's also another issue that plagues this game is just the load times getting into every battle can be so daunting i mean it's one of those things where it just eats up your time and i don't know if it's any better uh booting from maria it might be a little bit better but um and i know that it's actually the working designs version is uh, is supposed to be significantly better than the Japanese version, which was just abysmal when it came to loading each battle. You had to just wait there for like several seconds before the HUD would come up and the enemies would show up. You know. Oh my gosh! Um, imagine if they had a had a busted drive or a dying drive. Imagine so, the wait so, on that. 
Seriously, seriously, I would, I would literally like, throw the game. I was like, you know what? I'm I'm done with this game. If you're if you're playing with a, a Saturn that's like its lasers on its last leg, and you're playing, you know, like a bad rip, you know, or a bad, you know, CDR media of this game, and it's just at compounding the problem where it's just loading every battle. I can see where you might not even get, like, you know, an hour into this game without just throwing the disc at the wall. But I have to say this: or turning it into a Christmas ornament. Yes. So. So to combat this, what a lot of people or what I've done and what I've seen on forums is, you know, people who do have access to the action replay cheats, they'll put in a code that just lowers the frequency of interactions and then they will just double the experience multiplier to kind of offset the fewer interactions so that us adults who don't have a lot of time to game can like get through this game. But it's still, you don't lose too much, you know, of the difficulty. It just kind of speeds things up. Because it is, you know, if you, with the random encounters being so frequent, you end up losing literally like 15 or 20 minutes in a game session just waiting for each battle to load. You know, it all adds up over time. And then I had a friend, uh, Fernando, on the Sega Saturn Collectors of America... Uh, my friend Fernando, he just uh, messaged me today and he was complaining about another issue where he went into a, it was either like he was going into a battle or he went into a battle and he went away from his keyboard or he went, he went away for like over five minutes and when he came back, it was just frozen. So he was, and then he was like, of course, far away from a safe uh, spot or whatever, you know, so he had to just start all over again. And he said it's something that he has encountered a couple of times. So it's a bug. It's obviously a bug with the game that they just didn't catch, you know. Um, I'm curious as to what version of the, or what revision he has. Well, I wasn't aware. Now, I was aware that that the working designs was different than the japanese version but i didn't realize there were two revisions of the working designs that's yeah. what you're saying oh wow there, there, yeah that that is one of it's not only a disc variant but the second disc that has just the one character like the dragon looking character on it oh. is actually a code revision as well as a, a variant. so that's the better one to get then um i have no idea what the differences are outside of the fact that i know that that manual is physically different um it had corrections of the character names in it and that the disc image, like the when you read the header on that disc, um, I want to say it's like version uh, 1.1 hmm. uh, or 1.01, whereas the first version is 1.001, something Maybe like that. that's why people ref- prefer the one. I've heard people say, you know, go for the, if you're looking to buy it, you know, go for the one with just the dragon on it. And I'm thinking like, I like the one with all the characters on it, but I guess there's a deeper reason to... Possibly, yeah. But yeah, so those three issues, just the loading times, unforeseen bugs that I guess they, you know, nobody tested walking away for like five minutes and then coming back and everything being frozen. And then then the save states or save spots just being very few and far in between. So if you're going to play this game, I think you need to action replay it in order to enjoy yourself. You know, actually, do you know if he was using an action replay or some sort of RAM expander when he did that? Because I know it's the same issue on games like uh, Street Fighter. You leave the game for five minutes and it just glitches out and it, you're not able to do anything. I I don't know. Because that might be an issue with that. Yeah, I'll ask him. Yeah, Fernando, if you're listening, are you using an action replay? Or just some sort of RAM memory? Because I know some, some of them uh, that we discussed in the past have issues with it. Hmm. So m- that could be the case. And I've noticed other people run into these issues, so... 
but you know it's buggy that's the th- that's the yeah. point is it, the, you know these that these were the days where there were no up well apparently there is an update i was i was telling them you know there weren't patches back then there weren't you know the game was released as is but apparently they even released a released an update so that's yeah. interesting i got gotcha. you so so the, the close out let's see uh so i personally i i hate it i'm i think it's a shame that they couldn't have done something ring design's gonna put their energy on like maybe radiant silver gun or maybe one of those awesome shmups we never got uh what do you think david yeah i think i think they could have um i think iron storm was it iron storm yeah was the other the yeah i think Ironstorm and Albert Odyssey were the two kind of questionable titles where I, I kind of wish they would have focused their energy on other games. But so you got love or hate on that? Yeah, I'm a I'm I'm kind of leaning towards hate, but you know, um, there are things that I like about it. You know, I really wish they would have just brought Lunar to uh, to the states. You know, on the Saturn, nice. on that would have been nice. All right, what so- about UK? You know, I don't see Working Designs as doing shmups. Um, they were kind of RPG. Uh, well, they did that. Did that one game? Uh, of what was any? They didn't they do the? They did a couple shmups though. I I just don't see like with the ones that I saw on the Sega CD overall and the ones on the Saturn. It just didn't seem like a genre that they were looking to to try and go into. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, let's move into our next one: uh, House of the Dead. I know people are gonna seem think this is kind of weird, but for those of you that don't know or didn't listen to our Halloween cast, we mentioned that uh, there's some issues with the graphic fidelity when it went from the System 32, right? Or was it the Model 3 or the System 32? I can't remember. House of the Dead was Titan Video. Titan Video? Yeah. That's why we thought it was a ridiculous that it wasn't better because it was ported by Tantalus and... It was a it was a tight Sega Titan video game, so it should have been ported over flawlessly, and it wasn't. Yeah, so that's so, and that's one of the biggest issues that a lot of people have on it is, is that shitty port worth playing House of the Dead? Because realistically, that in the PC game, it's the only way to play a consoleized version of House of the Dead on any system. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I guess uh, Dave, do you want to go first? What do you think about it? Do you love it? Do you hate the port? Well, um, I guess, you know, if, you, if you're if you still, if you got a CRT and you, I wouldn't play it with just the controller. Let's put it that way, because that would really take all the fun factor out of it for me. But if you do happen to have a CRT and a light gun, um, light gun games on the Saturn are good, at least good ones are kind of few and far in between. You, you got the Virtual Cop games. Uh, you got Area 51, a few, a few others, but uh, so I really kind of like House of the Dead. I, I, I can look past the flaws on this port, and I just like it because I love House of the Dead. Um, but I see all the things that are wrong with it. Um, it is sloppy. It's a little ugly. Although you're shooting zombies, and those are ugly anyway, so it all fits, <laughs> you know. So I, I guess you know. I guess you could say it's it's no it's not a Virtual Cop two, you know. Um, it, uh, because of course it's not, it wasn't ported by an AM team, but, um, but it is still, you know, a Sega mainstay, you know, the house of the dead series. And I, and I think that, like you said, it's history. Um, the fact that you can really only play it in two formats. Um, if you do have a way to emulate the arcade one, you know, that might be a better experience, but you know, I, I like it. I think it's one of those biased likes though, you know, where I'm kind of looking past, and forgiving things that other people would not. 
Yeah, I'm yeah. definitely laying in the same boat as you, Dave, where I, I agree that it's hard to play and you definitely should not play it without a CRT and a light gun. But on the other hand, to be honest, it's mostly just something you want to play with your mates or just have fun with. Mm -hmm. In terms of actually like sitting down, speedrunning it or playing it religiously to get the highest score, I really don't think the game is worth it. The frame rate is garbage, it's, it's ugly frankly to look at, and you, and you just get awful lag and sometimes it's hard to even see things. So yeah. I definitely, in my opinion, I definitely would not recommend it. I would lean towards hate. Unless you just want to mess around with your friends or just play it. I am going to have to go with hate. I, I just don't like the port. It's a shame that's the only way to play the game. But you know what? It is what it is. Until maybe they do a remake of it, which would probably be never, because Lycan games are... No one cares about them. Sadly. Yeah, I wouldn't... And, it's definitely not worth paying that much for for it you know absolutely not Japanese version right yeah um, I uh, fall pretty squarely in the love um, of this game because I care about light gun games <laughs> so thanks Dave for telling me I'm a nobody I'm just kidding um, oh I didn't but, say that that was Patrick oh, was, oh Pat well I expect that from him so that's it no I'm I am waiting well, hey 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 I never said anything about light. I love light gun games I'm saying that it's worthless to play without a light gun sure yeah I, it is no, but, so, reality for me on this one is that as ugly as it was, this was, to me, um, the most fun I had with a light gun shooter on the Saturn, and probably one of the most fun you know, light gun games I had had since, like, Duck Hunt. Um, mm. I played Area 51. Yeah, uh, it was okay. It's okay, for, yeah. Yeah. I, I played Virtua Cop, and, you know, as smooth as Virtua Cop 2's uh, gameplay was, Virtua Cop 1 was what I had first, and... This is one of those things where I had a problem with the graphics um, on it. Like, it, it it felt too much like a computerized police trainer, and not like an arcade game, which is what mm. I wanted more of out of a, a light gun shooter. Um, so, House of the Dead really stepped up to that challenge, and I only played it maybe like twice in the arcades. So I, I know it, what it was supposed to look like if you based it off the arcade version. Um, but I learned more about that game and how, you know, like hitting certain targets on the screen would get you to a branching, you know, pathway, which was kind of new to me for a light gun shooter at the time. So I'm, uh, I'm squarely in the love of the game, but burn it. Don't buy it. You know, yeah, unless please, you're... dear Lord, don't for sure. Yeah. And I think it makes up for itself in certain areas, you know, like the, the humor that like the B comedy and like some of the enemies that you that you go up against, you know, are the variety is is nice, you know. Yeah, and if you really want the true House of the Dead experience, just just buy the arcade unit. I don't. <laughs> I I mean, I don't see it anything above five hundred dollars. Usually, people don't even sell it for that much. I see like four hundred, three hundred. So if you really really love the game, and you really just want to play that one specifically, and you really don't like two. I mean, personally, I think you should just get two over that, but. If you really love one and you really want want to play it the best way possible and get the best score, just buy just buy the arcade unit. Buy the arcade version, please. Mm -hmm. This brings us to Dragon Force. Oh, um, can I take this one? Go for it. I've never played it, so. Okay, so um, this is. I'm surprised that people put it on like a hate list. I don't know who put it up there. Um, but I'm definitely one of those people who did not get this game. Um, 
because here's the thing if if you were burning saturn games and you were trying out several saturn games to kind of see what you like and you popped in dragon force um immediately you're greeted with like this complex map with castles and like the domestic affairs and all these menus and so it just seems kind of daunting and and it's just one of those games where i was just like i don't have time for this you know on more than one occasion i would pop it in and look at that and then just kind of put it back in the cd wallet and forget about it and wasn't until i actually got the game and kind of invested myself into it that i found it was like one of the best games on the saturn and i do hold to that but when you first started off you were kind of like you know why would i bother i i was like i don't understand it consistently ends up on the top 10 list on every greatest saturn game and in some cases it's like contending for first place with like shining force 3 or radiant silver gun and i'm like how is this possible why am i so stupid like i watch the let's plays i'm i'm on youtube i'm reading the articles i'm like what don't i get about this game like okay i get the fact that once i get into a battle if i can figure out how to do that that there's like so many character sprites on the screen and and these battles are epic and everything like that and i got that but like i the problem is like the barrier to entry if you're not reading the manual it's just kind of hard to get over that first you know okay i get what i'm supposed to do once it clicks and and it all makes sense it literally is like one of the best games i'm i'm playing it right now I'm, i haven't beat it yet but i i completely control the entire map and i'm i'm going into like the final conflict you know so um or the doomsday battle or whatever so it's it's really fun you know it's been i it's been taking up like all of my gaming time lately very nice what about you pat I never played it personally. I have no idea what it's, what it's about, so I really can't give my opinion on Dragon Force. Yeah. But yeah. you know that there's like eight different character campaigns that you can play, and each one of them has its own storyline. I mean, it all it all hooks up with the main storyline, but like there's all these branching paths, and literally I've only played one, and that's the main character, Wayne. You know, I've played his storyline, and that's kind of the one they intend you to do like on your first playthrough. But... I'm seeing like infinite replay value on this game because there's just so many hours of play and literally like it's also the kind of game that because every time you save every time the clock runs out and you go back to the domestic affairs and you're able to archive and save your game that's like a week that has passed in the game you know and so uh, because it's frequent enough you can play like in bite-sized chunks you know and so you can kind of like just sit down and play for like a half hour do a couple battles and then save and so it's cool you know you can play for a long time or you can play for a little but Mm -hmm. i I highly recommend the game um i guess the only reason i think people might hate it is because they just don't get it like i didn't you know all right i'll definitely give it a shot strategy uh games aren't everyone's cup of tea and yeah i mean i i would say that I feel that a lot of the people who might hate on this game might also hate on similar, you know, styles where you have to go through what some would consider like the minutia of mm-hmm. uh, the domestic affairs. Um, if you guys have ever played Sid Meier's Pirates on any of its versions or iterations over the years, right? Sid Meier's Pirates, um, when I played it, picked it up, reminded me a lot of Dragon Force in, you know, the strategic planning. Very, it's it's not deep strategic planning for you know that aspect, and that reminded me a lot of the the domestic affairs. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, that's it, what I I assume. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I I think it was meant to be lighter on domestic affairs than maybe some of the other games of of this kind of vein, but um, I have this feeling that if you liked Sid Meier's Pirates, you would probably like Dragon Force. Mm-hmm. And I picked up Dragon Force and I started getting into it without reading the manual, without online on how to play it. I just tried to figure it out, and I enjoyed what I was doing. Um, same way for me when I picked up Sid Meier's Pirates I actually the first night I played it I actually played it for 12 hours straight uh, overnight and I had that same kind of effect with Dragon Force so mm-hmm. technical marvel you know uh, 200 plus sprites on a screen at one time uh, moving around with very little slowdown overall um, a lot of replay value if you like the kind of gameplay that it presents because you will be doing the same thing for eight different characters to play the whole game through mm-hmm. um, it's pretty you know, I, I thought it was pretty for what it was. Yeah. And uh, for me, it was one of the best things on the Saturn also. Cool. cool. All right. So let's move up to our last game on the list. Uh, it's going to be surprising to some people, which which is uh, Radiant Silver Gun. This actually got three votes, and I'm surprised at that too. Now, full disclosure, I put this game up, and um, I put it up because of... Uh, a shmups fan um, that I know locally uh, who is probably the the most proficient shmups player I've ever met you know he is good at shmups and he had a difficult time figuring out how to advance his score in this game and besides that I wondered you know this is kind of the first legend uh, in Saturn you know collectability uh, out of all the games that started coming out of Japan um, this is the one that kind of achieved that prolific status of, you know, you you are not a uh, a high end Saturn gamer. You're not a connoisseur of Saturn unless you know about Radiant Silver Gun. And we're talking about hearing about this game in the late '90s, not you know the modern renaissance of Saturn that we're kind of all a part of. Mm-hmm. So, in it's complicated. Uh, there's a lot of different attacks, a lot of different buttons that you can uh, utilize. Um, the shield uh, system is, is interesting, but I never figured that out myself. You know, I had to watch someone else play to, to realize that that sword shield thing you know, mm-hmm. could do a absorption. Um, and this is a treasure game. Yep. Uh, yep. And that in and of itself, like treasure really doesn't do crappy games. You know, like that's no. just kind of not their forte. But it, to give it a, a comparison, you know, a few years later, we got uh, Ikaruga and the gameplay was simplified and it made it an instant classic because it was still yeah. a, a sp- successor. And but, definitely, in my opinion, I think Ikaruga is probably one of the best shmups of all time. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, the mechanic is really fine. For yeah. Sure. And, I th- and I think that's definitely my issue with it is that I think, yeah, it, it is complicated when you first get to play it. I mean... It's one. It's it really beats the purpose of what shmups are, which is easy easy to play, difficult to master, and I think it sort of has has it where it's like it's both difficult to play at the first and difficult to master. And I think that's really why a lot of people agree with that. It's definitely polarizing in that case because a lot of people will play it and be like, "Oh, I don't get this. What is it? Why do I have five million different attacks and stick with one and just get owned constantly because they don't realize well, that they could." Use different attacks to stop Kate, losing. How many other shmups did Treasure do? 
Ooh, it caught me on the spot. There's a ton. I mean, off the top of my head, they got Radiant Silver Gun, Ikaruga, they have Bangayo on the Dreamcast. That's kind of a weird... It's not your traditional vertical or horizontal schmuck, but... Uh, yeah, I, I definitely Anything agree else? with you. Anything else? Because I don't really think of Treasure as a shmup developer. Like, I, like a Treasure shmup is is kind of its own thing. It's not... You know, it's not like your Psycho or your uh, or your Irems or your you know. The, it's just different, you know. And so I can understand why, like shmup connoisseurs who are like really into like Dodonpachi, or uh, who did uh, not Blast Wind, but uh, the one that you were always talking about, Patrick, the one that you really love, Batsugun. Batsugun, that was by uh, I believe that was Topon that did that one. Topon, yeah. So you got you definitely got you know your lead developers in the in the world of shmups and and i just i think that you know radiant silver gun and even ikaruga you know they they kind of are just signature treasure you know it's that style you know so i would definitely wouldn't say radiant silver gun is like the best uh shoot 'em up of all time and i think that's why people some people they don't like it because you know some people go around saying that it's like the best shooter of all time and so they kind of you know take issue with that but um it's definitely a good game you know and like you said treasure doesn't make bad games and they had this great idea that you know you just give them all the power-ups at once but make it incredibly difficult and let them try to figure out how to use each each power-up or each uh power in each different circumstance and of course like you said with ikaruga they just kind of narrowed it down to like black and white and then you can really focus on that and I, I do feel like in Radiant Silver Gun, you never really get into where you're just like fixed on it and you're just kind of like on autopilot. It, it's always really frantic and you always feel like you're about to die in Radiant Silver Gun, where in Ikaruga, you can get into it to the point where it's almost automatic, you know? Um, but I don't ever feel like you get that way with Radiant Silver Gun. It's always keeps you, keeping you on your toes. And honestly, I've never beaten the game without cheating because it's just so hard. But Hitoshi Sakamoto did the did the soundtrack, and it's just so great. Yeah, but just just to close up on the the topics, in my opinion, uh, Radiant Silvergun, I'm gonna go with a love it. I mean, a lot of people have issues with it, and it definitely is difficult to play. But I don't really think that's grounds for you know a hate sort of thing. It's just really difficult, and I know Hey was talking about that. There's some issues with the scoring system, but uh, well, the scoring my- system is just incredibly complicated I mean, there's there's like a, a good five or six paragraph section uh, as an faq over at uh, the hyphen next level.com um, where he tries to explain that you have not only like a chain system for normal but you also have a secret chain system you've got scoring differently for each of the seven different weapons um, and you have experience uh, points that are handed out to your um, to you uh, based on uh, the different weapons that you're using to fire. So there's just a lot going on, and it, it almost feels like it's just too much going on, you know, because that's a lot to remember when you're trying to get a score attack game, which is mm-hmm. what this is. Yeah, so I, I guess in the end of my discussion, I think I, even though there's a lot of issues with complexity, uh, in my opinion, my view on just games in general, I really love something that's just sit down, just play. Reading Silver Gun's really not that type of game. And really, a better alternative is Ikaruga. I, I do have to say I love it for what it is. What about you, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I, I love the game. I do. And I love the soundtrack. 
and the and the visual you know the graphics i love treasure games too so yeah yeah so um that wraps up our our main section just want to throw out some really quick honorable mentions and then let us you guys know about what's going on in our future here uh honorable mentions um three dirty dwarves kind of a, a little bit of a polarizing game some people have issues with graphics some people have game play got like maybe a 30 second blurb on this dave well, Bernie Solar, you know, he said it looked like crap. And I, I think the game is really good. You know, I, I think um, you got these three characters that you can swap out. You can even play um, with a friend. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, you grab a different weapon and you, you have to use teamwork to be able to like open certain doors or figure out certain puzzles. So it's kind of like a platformer with puzzle elements, but it's also a brawler. Um, and then there's like these weird boss levels and you can even do like a boss rush mode. Um, the graphics are hand-drawn sprites. So it reminds me kind of like the Scott Pilgrim game, but on the okay. Saturn, you know? What about you, Pat? I never played it, so I have zero opinion on it. Yeah, and I have no opinion on it either uh, directly outside. It. I thought it did look a little on the ugly side, so I yeah, didn't give it, it does a come yeah, I know. If you're judging from the FMVs or maybe the box art, then yes, it does. Yeah. But the in-game sprites are actually not bad at all. Like the that's that's where it's like inconsistent, you know. What about a stall? This is another one that uh, hit a lot of lists. Thirty-second blurb on a stall, Pat. Um, I really just thought just thought it was really clunky. It was a really difficult game for what it was supposed to be. And uh, it just had a lot of inconsistencies with the voice acting and all the... Like, I think Stall's voice actor is completely different in the game for the US copy than the, the English cutscenes with him in it. Well, how about you, Dave? Well, I think it's a beautiful game. I do think that the English version is actually kind of expensive these days. And from what I've heard, the Japanese version, they actually tone down the difficulty, which is what a lot of people take issue with. So maybe look into getting the Japanese version um, because then you won't have that weird dubbing stuff that Patrick's talking about and the gameplay will be a little bit easier which is kind of odd because they usually did it in the reverse they usually made US games a little easier um, sure. but in this case yeah the Japanese version from from what I've heard Mel Sega Lord X you know he told me that the Japanese version was the way to go cool I'll check it out uh, so I put this next one on the list for honorable mention Fighters Mega Mix. Um, really quickly, the only th this was loved by a lot of critics. Uh, it was kind of a, a darling love letter for Sega, a franchise that Sega did for fighting games, both uh, elements of fighting Vipers and Virtua Fighter. Mm -hmm. um, the real problem that anyone actually had with it was that it felt like the fighting Vipers characters were OP until you know overpowered until you knock their armor off, in which case they you know fell like toothpicks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was not balanced. <laughs> it was just kind of off the wall. I really just yeah. think you should look at definitely like the Fighters Mega Mix and the Virtual Long Virtual Fighter games. There's not really you know tournament fighters per se that you'd want to bring to a tournament. They just seem like more party games, sort of like how Smash is. Well, sure. modern Virtual Fighter is considered you know like top tier fighting. Oh yeah, no, yeah, the modern ones I understand, but a lot of the earlier ones, it's kind of. I mean, I guess I could see it if you really want to, but it seems more like they want to make it more like a Smash Brothers type game. Like, more sure. fun over, you know, actual fighting mechanics, but it did inspire yeah. Tekken and stuff like, and uh, DOA, so I can't hate it too much. So, um, 
Dave really wanted to talk about this one. I want to give him his time. Uh, Sega Touring Car Championship. Um, okay, I'll try to go quick. I just think that um, this is one of those games that with such great racing games on the Saturn, like uh, Daytona and Sega Rally, which are honestly pretty much all you need, maybe Manx TT for, for a motorcycle game, you're pretty much covered. And so Sega Touring Car might just seem superfluous. And because it's incredibly difficult to come to grips with, a lot of people might just overlook it and say, you know, it's not worth my time, but I I love this game. Um, there's two ways you can play really well with it. You can either look into tuning your car to handle on the track better or just play in manual transmission mode and downshift when you get into a corner and then upshift out of it. And um, it just works like butter and it really does start to make sense. And the soundtrack is um, Richard Jacques again, so it's just so great. It's like that Euro trance or Euro beat stuff, so... That's all I'm going to say. Oh, it had an online functionality, too. It had, like, online leaderboard, so it was ahead of its time there, too. Oh, so. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, you could use the NetLink and log in and post your times. And there, um, it would also use the system clock in the Saturn so that, um, you know, it observed, you know, the time of day that you were playing and, and your time zone. So, yeah. Neat. Well, that wraps up our main feature for today's podcast. Um, we want to let you guys uh, know about a couple of things we got going on um, as we enter in the holiday season. We just passed Thanksgiving here in the U.S. Um, we're gonna, Dave and I are gonna do a, a Netlink play date. Um, probably gonna play some Sega Rally uh, Championship Netlink Edition, maybe some Bomberman. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're scheduling that hopefully sometime in the afternoon uh, on the West Coast time, the Pacific time on uh, December 2nd and we're planning on trying to do a live stream on Facebook with this on two different Saturn groups we'll see how well this works out but if you have interest in playing against either me or Dave in any of the Netlink games hit us up uh, through the Sega Saturn Shiro uh, uh, podcast page uh, or through one of those groups and let us know um, yep the uh, Saturn Junkyard is issuing a Christmas game challenge for the Sagato Sanshiro game. There's only one level related to it. You can get all the information at the Saturn Junkyard. It's in a pinned post. So if you're interested in trying to see how uh, well you can guide Santa Sagata uh, to delivering presents to the many people who are not playing hard enough at their Sega Saturn, post up a score. and You can see that over at the Saturn Junkyard. Um, there may or may not be a Christmas Nights Challenge. I think we're going to try and put that up before our next podcast in those Facebook groups. And uh, scheduling. Um, December is going to be pretty light for us. Uh, our next scheduled podcast is going to happen sometime after December 17th, just because of the holidays. And that might be our only podcast uh, for the rest of the year. Sorry, uh, guys. Yeah, we know you yeah, love us. Family, sorry. <laughs> Big, big shout outs to all of you guys. I mean, in the past week, we saw a, a huge increase in our likes. And normally I'm, I'm pretty, you know, self-depreciating for our group and, and give our shout outs to the, the one and a half uh, listeners we have. But uh, apparently Just we lost a, one. I'm not it was negative anymore. two last we counted. <laughs> well, now we dropped to one. I, I stopped listening again. <laughs> well, um, so just big shout outs to all you guys. Apparently we had a, a huge boost in likes and we're very humbled and honored um that you guys like listening to what we're doing and please keep sending us those questions and uh commentary about what you want to hear on this cast 
Yeah, I um, mean, holy shit, we're at about 200, 249 likes. I mean, like, just 100 this week, that's insane. Yeah, we, uh, we doubled. Um, Let's so aim for that 2 million went, followers. Right. <laughs> um, we'll definitely try and get some more content out to you. I believe um, Pat's got uh, an idea about doing a, a live Let's Play session during December to help fill in the void while you wait for our next show. Yeah, I'm hoping to, hoping to get something up. Uh, I'm a bit unsure what I want to play exactly. I don't want to do knights because I suck at it, so I'm trying to think maybe do some fighters. Maybe do some, some like, the shitty fighters, see how far I can get. You know, you cool. should do a, the, the shit show that day. You should just, like, focus on the worst games we've got. I got Start you. with Mr. Bones, right? No, I'm kidding. You should stream but, some rabbit. <laughs> rabbit, yeah. We're on fighting like, rabbit. Oh, dude, yeah. Play some uh, uh, Gundam uh, side story. Also, oh, you play, play obscure stuff. Yeah, I'll figure out what. I mean, I'll do. I'll do an obscure shootout. Do an hour of each one, or maybe. And then he'll do some Mr. Bones. Yeah, Definitely. I'll, I'll do Mr. Bones challenge. See how, see how how long it takes me for me to throw the disc against the wall. <laughs> Use that stage select. <laughs> so, um, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Uh, please be looking out for our next podcast. It will happen after the seventeenth of December. And if you're listening to this ten years from now, you don't even care. Yeah, sorry for the next podcast if that's the case, if it's bad. You can just skip it. Right. So from uh, all of us here at Sega Saturn Shiro, um, happy Thanksgiving if you're in the States, happy holidays in general, and we'll see you on the next one. And you must play Sega Saturn. You must. See you later, guys.